welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Hi, it is Jake. Welcome. Ah, well, yeah, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, yeah, so this will be another episode that is a conversation with an artist who took part in the 2023 Melbourne Fringe Festival. Our guest today is going to be like many time co-host, wonderful man, a person that I think is terrific, uh, Sebastiano Pitruzzello. Uh, he's about to arrive and we're going to talk about his experience working on Bacon, uh, a production that he was an actor in uh, during the Fringe Festival. Uh, yeah, he's about to get here. So, you know, strap in. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sebastiano Petruzzello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> it's so nice to have you here. Thank you. How are you going? How am I going? Good. Today, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> God. Okay, so we're still, yeah, what certainly feels like freshly in the wake of your performance in Bacon for the Melbourne Fringe Festival. Yes. Um, just to jump straight to that, tell us what that was. What was Bacon? Uh, Bacon. Uh, it was a two-hander show. It was uh, produced by Gavin Roach. Presents as the general, like, kind of thing. And Gavin... Obviously, as the producer. Yeah. Um, because how many shows did Gavin do in this festival? There was three. Three, okay. Um, kind of like a triple bill night, and we were the the, the cherry on top, the, like, <laughs> the kind of final show. <laughs> were you told that, or is that a thing that you've deemed yourself to be? That's something I've deemed myself to be <laughs> in selling it, despite the fact that I don't need to sell it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, but yeah, uh, it's yeah two-hander uh, with myself and Ryan Stewart. And uh, also, just to touch upon the rest of the... The team, it was yeah. also directed by Gavin. Uh, movement coordination was by Georgina Charteris. And uh, lighting design was by uh, Iz Zettel. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, I'm sorry, Jack, but the sound design was designed by Jack Burmeister, I think. Why are you sorry about that? I just can't remember if that's the exact pronunciation of his last name. Oh, I th- <laughs> but I, yeah. A okay. lovely, lovely artist and sound designer. Um, sure. What was the name of the writer? Um, oh, the, the writer? Sophie Swithenbank. Beautiful. Okay, great. Yes. Cool, cool. Um, but yeah, the the show itself was just kind of a, a two-hander about these... It's it's a kind of moment-in-time play, so it flits between like the present and these kind of flashbacks to the past and the flashbacks to the brunt of the, the story. But the present is set in a cafe uh, where my character, Mark, uh, is kind of... has a former high school best friend of his uh, called Darren arrive in this cafe and... Uh, all of a sudden he's kind of pulled back to that time. Uh, it's a play about trauma. It's a play about um, like young uh, people coming to terms with their sexuality and not understanding it or having these feelings that exceed their understanding. Yeah. It's a play about attraction um, and at times love, but I wouldn't hold that at the forefront. Yeah, um, yeah it's, it's a play about trying to like understand what those feelings are. And yeah, it's a play about, like, I suppose the, I, this was the, the kind of elevated pitch line, but like a play about the violence of attraction. Um, sure. Because okay. yeah, there's some, it goes down some pretty dark uh, crevices as far as where the narrative goes and Good. how these two interact and kind of rip each other apart. Right. Yeah. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Could, could you, I don't know whether or not it's what the play asserts about it or what, what you feel about it, but like, what, what is the violence of attraction? Um, well, 
in in the sense of this play, it kind of begins in that like playful, innocent territory. But when it's kind of confront, when each, more so in Darren, because they kind of both hold different branches of how masculinity is at that age. Hmm. Um, Darren kind of is a bit more rough around the edges um, uh, and a bit more uh, erratic and spontaneous as far as and sudden with his, his kind of things. Whereas um, Mark was more watchful hmm. and. Granted, a bit like of an overthinker, but and at times, you know, that being reflected in the text and whatnot, because a lot of it was written kind of flitting between that narration versus the the like the scene. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, the the kind of getting my brain back on track. Yeah, uh, <laughs> no, of attraction. <laughs> um, but yeah, like how it kind of begins as there just being this kind of draw for I know both of them, mm. uh, towards each other among the schoolyard because Mark's the kind of new kid at school. When they're like, what age? Is it like high school age? It's about 15, 15. at that time. Cool. Um, and then for Darren, he's just like the kind of loner, like crazy kid that people like. He's a bit, he's a bit intense. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it kind of, they, they find their, they, their friendship. And then, yeah, there's this beautiful little scene that's set in a park um, where they just have like, there's like a moment where they see a deer and it's just this quiet moment of them together. Hmm. And a lot of it's just been like, oh, like joking around and whatever. And for, for Mark, he he kind of experiences this thing of like, he just keeps coming back to feeling drawn towards this person because there's a whole thing where there's like another person that's like, oh, this person could be my friend. They seem really nice. But I just can't help but think about this person, hmm. which is Darren. Hmm. Um, and then uh, that ultimately kind of leading to a, a moment in the park where... Uh, like, Mark gets called, like, bent, mm-hmm. uh, and he goes to leave, and then uh, Darren, like, gets him to stay, and then uh, initiates, I suppose, a moment of intimacy by placing a hand on a cheek, and then Mark kind of gives a kiss just to see, and um, it kind of then suddenly switches into, like, uh, like, oh, you don't know me, like, don't fucking touch me, and then it kind of... Um, leads to uh, Darren pulling a knife on Mark. Right. <laughs> so that kind of thing. Good. Um, no, that's and, gay intimacy. Good. Yeah, that is, Good. that is, that is true blue. <laughs> and yeah, um, essentially, yeah, and, and, and that kind of, like, not being able to deal with, or, you know, because also Mark has a, not Mark, Darren has a more rougher upbringing as far as, like, class, because that's also another thing that's touched upon in the show. Mm. Um, the kind of response to like discovering that he's, he's gay or even bisexual or anything that's beyond just the parameters of straight. Mm. Um, and for Mark being a bit more comfortable in that within himself of being like, oh no, this is kind of a part of me, but just need to be careful about who I tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the, 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 in, the inability at that particular moment in time, uh, particularly being a time of action, uh, for Darren to process that. And that also kind of rippling out to uh, other branches of violence within the play. Mm. Uh, one, without going into too much detail, being of the sexual nature. Yep. Um, and, yeah, that, that that kind of rippling out and then having the kind of parallel of the, the restaurant, not the restaurant, the cafe, of Mark processing all these feelings as he's remembering all these things and then just, like, wanting to, to reach out to this person but, like, feeling like it can't. So it's, like, kind of, in one moment, being absolutely paralysed by so many thoughts, mm. uh, 
because of the violence that has been done and and like just an absolute kind of shutting down and then you know at times of like lashing out and then feeling sorry and then indulging in like the moment of joy um versus the kind of yeah more free more exciting more explorative territory when they were young and kind of experiencing each other for the first time and also experiencing the 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 journey like the the early moments that lead them to the darker stuff mm-hmm. um yeah <laughs> lovely oh yeah no all really well put that's super lovely now i'm into so many of these themes just on a personal level that's yeah. great um you with the body of work behind you on stage and in screen have mm-hmm. done a lot of like queer focused queerish played some queerish characters yes um is that is that a thing that you enjoy exploring especially in your performance career is that it's just like an interesting facet of a person mm. to see them toy around with in a way that I don't know is quite like distinct. Yeah. And I guess I don't know with the, with the nature of what performance is. Is there something especially fun about getting to play with that part of yourself in these roles? Yes, I'd yeah? say. Uh, and I also find that kind of queer characters, as opposed to more straighter characters, um, exist in a place where it's like. That they, you know, they they have a bit more of a, for lack of a better term, at times a secret they carry with them <laughs> in those narratives. Okay. Um, but also they, they just have a, a, I think, a much more broader lens on the world, which I think is quite beautiful to inhabit. Um, you know, there's there's so many elements of like, survival regulation that goes on, mm. um, as far as handling, you know, just encounters with regular people. You know that. For for someone like that, you know, you're you're in a, a more densely populated place, like just a general bar. You're like, oh, anything could happen right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, I also find that there's, like for me, like around sexuality and queerdom and and even gender, like it's all a very broad spectrum, and I like to kind of explore and inhabit like the the kind of specifics around that. Mm. Um, because yeah, the, the, there are characters whose like preferences would lie more down one end, but still kind of going across, mm-hmm. or and and vice versa. Yeah. Um. So exploring that quality too. But yeah, I think. No, I think that's the the end of that train of thought. Without me rambling too much. <laughs> but yes, feel free to provoke and prod and. Sure. No. No. But also, don't resist a ramble. Like, is is there a thing that you're are you on the cusp of an avalanche of some ideas? No, I feel like it'd be, just be wandery. Okay. Um, and yeah, I, I'm already wandery enough with my 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 speaking, so I wouldn't want sure. to do that. No, no, no. As much <laughs> as I'd love to indulge. But of course, it's all I want to do is just swim around in that wander. Yeah. yeah which is a mixed metaphor. Um, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's it. no. Even yeah, I've never heard it described that way. The thing you said of that having such a specific uh, the what was it the, the the lens that you believe queer people walk around with. Mm. Um, and granted, like. To an extent, it's an assumption, um, because yeah, with me that's another thing to questioning my own degree of queerness. But sure. um, uh, like the that, and I think also I think they just live in a more dangerous world. Sure, yeah. <laughs> then I suppose 
straight white men do on the page. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Sure. Sure. So for you to be at that point where you're still questioning what sounds like even like the, the validity of the level of queerness, if that's even how you can describe queerness, mm. um, that you yourself personally experience in your life, mm. does that mean, therefore, that there is something to... Is it is it just a sort of like empathic curiosity that draws you to those types of roles? Or is there something inside of Sebastiano, uh, like alongside whatever degree of queerness is present, mm. something else that also connects you to the queer experience? Um, I'd say yes to both. Because, yeah. I mean, a lot of... I find that, like, the, the characters I would get cast in or the characters that people look at and, like, oh, this person inhabits them, the characters that I can kind of bring a decent portion of myself to. Mm-hmm. And with the characters that I've played um, that have been in in that world, there is a, an element of, like... There's still a strong connection of, like, truth there I, I don't understand as of yet the kind of extent of where that's drawn from but I know that there's there's that there is like uh, an honest connection of myself within those characters mm-hmm. mm. okay yeah lovely okay well yeah coming back to the play coming back to Bacon mm-hmm. um, with it being about the violence of attraction and attraction generally yes um, have you had any whether or not it was in this production or in your like recent romantic history whatever mm-hmm. of like have you had to grapple with your experience of attraction in your life? Um, yes, in the past. Um, uh, whereas, like, uh, I feel like it's it's not like the experience of it being like the the degree, particularly being an actor, and you know, enjoying connection and and kind of being excited by that. Mm-hmm. Um, the kind of degrees of you know where attraction. And I think this is looking back now, mm. where attraction was attraction and where attraction was just something exciting or, oh, this person saw me, particularly being a person who felt invisible for a lot of my life. Okay, um, yeah. And, and the kind of confusion more so around what attraction actually is. Because um, I think a lot of, like, in, in reflection mm. from where my life is right now to where it had been, in my rela- personal relationship to attraction, um, it's been a thing of, uh, you know... When was I actually attracted, and when was I kind of chasing a rush, as per se, <laughs> or like uh, yeah, okay, yeah, or uh, you know, dabbling in something that felt a bit different and a bit dangerous, for lack of a better term. Okay. Um, yeah, I think because uh, yeah, I feel like attraction can be such a specific thing to people, but also can be a very like ideas, like things being ideas can be attractive. What does that mean? Like, say, for example, um, the first thing that just pops into my mind, like, the bad boy. That kind of yeah. thing. You know, the <laughs> idea of a person um, can, can be attractive and that can draw you to a person initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, for... I know on one or two occasions with myself and I know with experiences from my friends, you know, you, you, you kind of have that idea and then it's like when the idea becomes a reality or the, the, the idea becomes a person, it's like, oh, that's too complicated or that's different to what I anticipated. Um, okay. why I thought would be the thing. Hence why, as time went on, I was like, oh, just don't do that. <laughs> what, don't be, like, lured in by a fantasy and then yes. have to go through the experience of realising, oh, you're just a bad boy, but the moment that we sit down for coffee, I realise, oh, you're actually all these other things that I'd optimistically assumed that you weren't. Yes, and for uh, for people, I feel like, particularly people, this was at, like, times where I didn't understand myself and I suppose the complexities of being a human being mm-hmm. um, fully. It being the thing of, like, oh, this is too much. Like, I can't, 
I like I want to and I I, I empathize and I, I do connect with this person mm. but um yeah at the same time it's like I don't know how to navigate that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um that that's I suppose an interesting thing with, with my history with attraction. <laughs> it is that is interesting. Yeah, hence why also ninety percent of the time I'd just be well, probably I'd say ninety five percent of the time I'd be kind of like just a wallflower person, just being like just observant mm-hmm. and just in inattentive in the sense of like I just I'm like I'm not going to throw myself down that rabbit hole, so I'm just going to kind of stay over here. What do you mean? Not inattentive because what if you were to be attentive, you might end up attracted to somebody troublesome, and then you'd end up somewhere messy. No, more so uh, inattentive in the sense of, like, uh, I think it was, looking back, more from, like, control, and also control being an attractive thing. Um, But, like, you know, a variable of a complete human being Mm. uh, is a very unpredictable thing. Um, (laughs) And I I find a lot of people, like, often that I've spoken to about this, too, that kind of enjoy, like, their kind of own space. It's like... Because they can also one thing about knowing your like your own space and yourself um, is that you can predict all those things and control all those variables. But sure. having another person adds like doubles that essentially yeah. from a different like perspective and worldview and upbringing. So yeah, I, I feel like uh, in that kind of structure, like attraction. Hold on, I'm, I'm just trying to get back on that. No, on those rails. No, on those rails. Do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was a, a, a needing to... Oh, yes, from my perspective hmm. um, of like being an outsider. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's the needing to be very picky when to step in and like kind of take action. But for the most part, just being like... I know for me, I just resigned myself to, you know, the universe in the sense of like, cool. I'll, I'll interact with people, and <laughs> if the universe wants me to kind of take me down a, a route uh, or something to happen, it'll just happen. Um, but that's more go with the flow than be take action for things in your life. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure, this is just such large personal philosophy. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> and is that... <laughs> it's te- do interesting. <laughs> I'm doing this on the record, but um, <laughs> yeah, um, sure. And it was a, it. It doesn't sound like it's j- just romantically speaking. Broadly speaking, yeah, it's more you, broadly speaking. Broadly speaking, so even, uh, even with friends, like you know, in the sense that like, that with the friends, that'd be more of a, of a personable thing. ADHD, me, masking, hmm. things like that. Yeah. Um, and then also my own history with um, uh. Friendships being, you know, the classic bullied child in school. <laughs> but um, a, a lot of friendships that I facilitated for a long time, I realised I'd kept myself at an arm's length within my own brain. You know, yeah. I I could be there being friends with them, you know, hanging out, you know, expressing how much I appreciate them as a friend. Mm. But also, on some level, my brain was like, oh, but I'm holding the, like, the me card, the, like, true me the authentic me the like the friendly but also the like the ugly and the potentially unappealing me like card close to my chest yeah and as far as in in my experience up until this point of connectivity to people it's like if you're holding a a card to your chest and this is also you know you need to be picky with who you invest and be vulnerable with Mm. but if you like even if you're holding a, a few cards to your chest you can't be fully vulnerable 
mm-hmm. or, or at times, you know, you can distance, you're still keeping yourself at a distance. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, that's also a way of navigating just regular kind of friendships around, but it's also, yeah, the people that you do truly invest in and allow to see that, you know, you're, you're picky about. And that was one thing that I realized I hadn't done at all. So that was a, also a, a thing. <laughs> well, then you had never shown anyone that card on your chest. Yes. Yeah. Until I, I kind of realized what I'd been doing. Mm. And then I was like, oh, we kind of need to explore this because otherwise nothing's going to change. God. What was that moment like, if you remember it, that moment where you realized that you'd kept that from everybody? Was that a moment of supreme loneliness? What was it? I, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it would have been a moment of loneliness. I think at that point I felt a lot of a lot of loneliness. Yeah. But um, and that was like consistent. But that's kind of all I'd known. Mm-hmm. And then when I'd realized that, as far as needing to like, my I think my brain being stuffed for, for like authentic connection with people, mm. as opposed to like superficial or friendly or like feeling like people are on a similar like similar wavelength, but as a kind of distant, avoidant person, yeah. that being the, the wavelength. And I'm like, okay, you're also on that. Like, I'm not connecting with anyone level, but I see you. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it was the, I think the thing that kind of was the most apparent part of that um, in terms of confronting that was when I did kind of allow myself to show that it was the thought of like, oh, the world isn't crumbling around me. Like <laughs> the thing of like, that wasn't so bad. All I needed to do was just say a few words or I needed to just let, you know, people show care to me and accept that. Yeah. Um, Cause that was difficult too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Vulnerability too being a, a thing. <laughs> um, and I think bringing it to the, the thread to attraction. Yeah. Uh, sometimes people can be attractive because you, you won't have to be vulnerable and other people are attractive because you just feel like you can be your most vulnerable self and you'll, it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure, sure. Part of this very understandable um, caution that seems to exist in this choice that you made, to whatever extent you consciously did so, the thing of like opting out of a lot of like social engagement, mm. um, this wallflower decision that you've made. Mm. Um, is there anything in that choice that you feel ill-equipped to cope with the complexity that could come with the peril of attraction or entanglements? Elaborate. Is that what, is part of the reason that you want to not put yourself in the danger of getting pulled helplessly into an attraction? Mm. The idea that if you were to be so pulled mm. that once in the throes of that attraction, you don't have the tools necessary to handle it? Yes, I'd yeah. say. Okay. Particularly also, I think, being someone who's still like, coming to terms with the regulation of my emotion and also the acceptance of like my emotional self is is a, a an un, an illogical and un like reasonable thing yeah. because so much of my my kind of self and persona is like very much like I'm contained I, and and when I'm confronted with that it's like oh you know I can feel this really high high of like intoxicating like attraction and 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 adoration and love and doting upon a person mm. but at the same time i can just feel crippling rejection and neglect at uh, a passing statement yeah. um those like, like for a while when i was kind of in the the kind of echo chamber of my brain presented with potential scenarios of that i'd just be like oh i don't know and i think only until recently where i encountered my current partner that i was like oh like I, I've really been able to be myself and kind of feel that connection, mm. um, and then feel like 
I'm being, and I think that's a big thing as far as attraction for me, and the, like the journey that it kind of fluctuated when I got to um, the most real point of what I wanted in, in someone was just like to someone who just understood me completely and whole me. They saw me, yeah, um, and not just like the me I present, and not just like the me that I keep the barriers up or have those for, but just see through that and see me, yeah, um, and just. Uh, appreciate and and love that kind of I suppose gentle fragile being mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> which you consider yourself to be on the inside as a gentle fragile being oh yeah yeah <laughs> okay that's why I have my my like what is it my exterior of um, like uh, indifference <laughs> a lot of the time I'm just like yeah <laughs> right um, as a as a reaction to that but yeah I'd say I'm a a very like I think all people in the arts really are just all vulnerable like that i think one of the the things is that we're quite vulnerable quite like fragile creatures but at the same time like we we choose to do this this thing that's very like it kind of forces you to, to have to be vulnerable mm-hmm. um be in the act of writing and kind of creating a story from from your head or your heart or, or wherever it kind of gathers from for that particular narrative or your frustration even um and like for an actor and for like myself of just like presenting myself and and connecting with people um at least in a theatrical space um and bringing them into the world that i'm experiencing mm-hmm. um because that's also a very hard act a hard thing to do um and i know my acting has only like the, the thing that like improved that aspect of my acting as an actor that kind of gets cast in roles where it's like oh there's a deep emotional thing mm. that we don't know yet but we'll find out right. as the, the story goes on um it was like the understanding of my own self and all that so uh this is a good old advertisement therapy <laughs> <laughs> god well even just that description it certainly makes sense as to why people would see you very like wonderfully suited to be playing queer roles mm. that 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 beautiful long sentence that you just said that makes a bunch of sense. The sense of you having this like fragile, sweet little secret creature inside of you that mm. you build a bunch of stuff around in yep. order to get through days. That's so nice. And just to just to say this because I got hung up on it when you just said it. It mm. feels like it was miles ago. Yep. But the thing you said about trying to find a person that, despite all the like obscuration that you put up quite consciously, like this desire that you felt inside of yourself to find a person that was able to see through all the things and mm. see you on the inside at the same time as you were wanting to permit them to do so mm. and the uh, that like beautifully romantic empathic act from either side of the yeah. experience of Sebastiano and finding a person that can meet you in the middle of that dark confusing many cornered tunnel yeah that's beautiful yeah well done on finding a person that was you know suited to that undertaking yeah uh, that's it incredible was, it was a miracle God. <laughs> it's like a what was it uh like just a, a sudden succinct moment I, I think yeah, I remember in a conversation with you from a while ago, uh, where we were just talking about the feeling of of, of love and attraction. But like, uh, I remember using the image of a, a meteor, and I was just mm. like, yeah, I was just like, <laughs> just, right, yeah. And I think it was just consistently, particularly with the smoke and mirrors that I feel like a lot of performers and people in that world put on, mm-hmm. um, just being disarmed of them, just seeing through that and just seeing me. Um, God, through that, not not a kind of assumption of who I am, but just mm. being like, oh, this, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you've you've completely un- unravelled my entire <laughs> intricate yeah. thing, and just okay, yeah, because <laughs> no, you you hand and, people many really 
elegant assumptions that they can go with. You know, I'd say, you, you, yeah, like, especially you. I feel like you're so capable, and it's and it's tied to a thing that I want to ask you about about the. the the draw to performance in the first place, which you've already touched upon a bit. Mm. But you especially, you're very good at handing people these versions of Sebastiano that are a very appealing hypothesis, mm. you know? So it's, and whether or not that's a skill that you've cultivated in some sort of like deep recess of your mind of like, oh, this is a very sellable version of this guy yeah. um, that people could really, you know, build some stuff with. Yeah. That's, I don't know, a, an interesting, almost like menacing quality <laughs> that is very gripping. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, do you think, it seems like you do think that this sense that you have of like an awareness of your, your, like your mental muscularity in terms of coping with social quirk and engaging with people and your like relationship with loneliness and solitudinous bliss, it's like, that seems to be something that is pulling you into the arts mm-hmm. and into theater itself. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like, I think, uh, one of the things that, that pulled me in. And I suppose, like, it, like the, there's been an evolution over time as far as, like, I suppose the versions of me that people have their hypothesis about. But it's, <laughs> like, um, like the, I think there's an element of masking and kind of just the coping, being able to cope in, in social scenarios. Mm. And then I think also the practice of being in those kind of s- scenarios in our world mm. of the arts. And then it's a matter of um, also just making choices and exploring that. And also, I think, connectivity being uh, a driving force. Because I feel like, too, so much of us are just outcasts. And, you know, it's just nice to be... I, I feel like a, 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 like a baseline human kindness that we can offer is, like, just listening and, like, seeing a person. <laughs> like, oh. I, I, particularly in, a, in, in our world where it's so, like... It is, there's an element of performativeness. And, mm. like, you know, one of the most overwhelming places for so many artists that I know is the uh, foyer. Yeah, um, and just, like, <laughs> just genuinely being, like, like, you know, how are things going uh, mm. in, like, a very honest, connected way. But then at the same time, just being, like, what do you, like, this is one thing I try and ask f- of people that I know when I see them. Because I'm, like, this thing we think about all the time, which is the, like, what, what's happening in your life? You know, what are you just doing? Mm. And, and I think that's another element too. It's like the connection in that. Mm. And I think connection is a very, like, broad, in a very broad way is a form of play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's another thing that's what keeps me in, in the world of the arts is, you know, it can be, like, playful mm. or it can be just, like, I suppose, if we're using, like, uh, schoolyard images. Like, yeah. Play can be, you know, playing Tiggy, or it can be like sitting and building a sand castle. Like, there, there, there's many, like, kind of tension states that can lie in. Mm. And other times, play can be like you getting really angry at someone for stepping in a puddle uh, and like splashing water on you. Like, it, it can, and, and the kind of different interactions you have in that world. But so long as they're authentic and they're genuine and they're, there is an element of playfulness there, mm-hmm. um, I think is a really important part as far as the navigation of all the parts of me and I think just them and I think that's the thing that I I, as far as how I navigate interactions is that I try and at the forefront have like it be honest because you you can get like the Seb that's hyper fatigued and you know is at like there was a few nights last year that I had this but like you know I was watching the fourth show of the week (laughs) 
And I was just sitting in the foyer, just on my phone, just looking completely dejected and just out of it. Yeah. Like, that's... And if you would have a conversation with me, I'd probably just be like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm just a bit... <laughs> and I and I feel like that's, like, a version that people can empathise with mm. because it's truthful. And then I can also have my, like, oh, I'm having a good day and I'm hopped up on caffeine and I'm feeling really chatty, <laughs> like, so... And, and that's also really authentic. So I think, yeah... Uh, and this is one thing, too... Uh, as far as the navigation of neuro, the new, the like recent neurodiverse discovery mm. that I had, but like I think so much of the things that brought me to the arts is the fact that I'm I'm so overwhelmed by like social situations and and interactions with people all the time because I I just don't know what I'm doing. Mm. Um, that like I think having. Oh, here's the person you're going to be, and here's the world you're in, and here's the words you're going to say to each other. <laughs> was something that was actually kind of like relieving of <laughs> ah, <laughs> yeah. just being given direction in this like little sense of play. And I think also through having done characters over time, that you kind of understand. Like for me, it helped me understand how to interact with the world and and people, and how to do that in a way that's not only just like I suppose sequential. Um, you know, hi, how are you? I'm good. But in a playful way. Mm. Like, um, you know, one thing that people at work, the, the work set that people really enjoy, and this is one thing I try and do with all the people around me, really, um, is when I'm asked, how are you? I try and give an, an authentic answer. Mm-hmm. Or, like, oftentimes take a second, do, like, a body scan, and sometimes it'll just be, like, I'm good today. Other days will be like, yeah, I'm a solid four out of ten. Other days I'll just be... I remember there was one day that I was just like... Fried, like an egg. Like it's a bit <laughs> pretentious and wanky, but I'm like, it's a vague image that gives you a sense. Sure, yeah, no, um, and it's playful, and it's yeah. In, yeah, playing with a capacity to connect with people. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I found I've just had a lot more authentic, honest interactions with people. The the more I've just been honest with how I'm feeling, so I think people just appreciate that, mm. particularly in the um, how how are you? I'm alright. That's good. World. It's like, oh, this person's actually telling me how they're feeling. Um, which, yeah, at times can be annoying, other times exciting mm-hmm. for the person experiencing that. Yeah. No, absolutely. No. Well, yeah, and even taking that as like a macro version of the exact experiment that Joe, yeah, into, it's like I was having a conversation with Connor yesterday and he was, yeah, he had a similar sort of thing when he was talking about his art and talking about the idea of like, if he comes upon a thing that he finds to be quite intimidating or significant to himself. Like his impulse is to like, okay, how can we make it silly? And then Mm. that's a way that he dives into the theater that he creates. And so this idea of like, you believe in that connection is the thing that really matters to you. Mm. People offering you that, you know, that primary, very basic, polite proposal of like, how are you doing? The idea of you doing something playful with that as well. It's almost like a, I don't know, another version of that, I guess, which Mm. I think is a very artistic compulsion. Yeah. Which is really fun. I think also, yeah. In in that sense, it's also uh, confronting them with, Mm something unexpected <laughs> which for me is that's a sense of play too because like, they, they go oh and you're like yeah and they're like oh this is actually how I'm feeling and then you, you have a kind of excitable response like and communication thread yeah. from that yeah yeah um, but yeah yeah and a game in itself because you've you've built new rules you've, you've yeah. taken a thing and turned it into something else and, and I, I suppose yeah it's been a thing of the, the exploration of just how to do that over time has, mm. has kind of just grown and evolved in its own way there's not necessarily a clear intention or there'll be like a little phase of like oh, i'm gonna try and be more grounded in my interactions and explore how that is physically mm. um 
but for the most, and that just being kind of in the way that an actor does an exercise in a class and then it's just a part of their toolkit. Mm. It's an exploration of that. Um, but yeah, and it's interesting. I, I just, I, I love how people tackle things. Even when you, you mentioned the thing with, with Connor there of um, the, like the kind of, how do I complete this inconceivable task? Mm. Um, of the thing of like, I remember one thing that was presented to me and it kind of resonated that I kind of followed too, which is different to like make it silly. It's like how, you know, uh, I think I, I was once told by my therapist this one line that was like, huh, it's like, how do you eat an elephant? Mm-hmm. One bit at a time. Like <laughs> that kind of thing of just like, just do the first little thing and that'll lead you to the next little thing. Mm. Particularly as someone who finds huge tasks very overwhelming and like inconceivable. It's just a thing of like, okay, it's first little thing. Oh, that first little thing gave me an idea, so I'm going to screen that, bring that up there. Okay, yep, yeah, that's kind of branched, that, and that, that builds from there as far mm. as the a generation momentum kind of framing in my brain. Right. <laughs> but yeah, I just I just wanted to, to offer that because I'm sure you have a different answer to that and everyone else does. And no, I cool. Really no, it's, it's great when you find something like that that yeah. Yeah, resonates and helps you solve some stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like similarly, what is it? One, one of the questions that I believe I posed to you a while ago and I try and pose to people as a way of like just getting to know their brains when I'm curious is the, the, like, how would you describe life in an image? And I keep it vague, and mm. I don't give any ex- examples, because I want to hear how people construct the image and what things are common. Mm. Um, because, yeah, every person has a very different answer. Um, yeah. But it's, like, it's really beautiful to give, I suppose, a more deeper insight to how they perceive the world or how the world shaped them at that time. Mm. Um yeah, beautiful. like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's yeah another beautiful thing of just talking with artists. Mm. Then, yeah, and yeah, bacon was a really good show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, well, one of the dozens of things that was so wonderful about it, all the things you just said was the, uh, in your description of being drawn to the theatre because of like a desire for connection and wanting to take yeah. the, 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 the peril of like having to be a person every day, yeah. and then there's some sort of relief present in the theatrical undertaking that, that your life is so largely, um, is just a, a cool answer to the question that keeps getting posed by so many different concepts and bodies and people. The idea of like, when will theater stop happening and what theater is dying and theater is dead. And what's the point mm. of theater is like I, that, that chunk of sentences that you offered forth, I think is one of the several defenses of like the indefatigability and immortality of the human compulsion to make theater. However mm. you want to define it, I guess. Um, as long as there's more than one person around. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, too, there's just... Uh, at least from, like, on that thread of the, the, the theatre keeps, like, the kind of fragility of that at the moment with, like, how it's kind of harder to get audiences in and thing, things like that. There's just a quality of, you know, one thing you can't get on screen. You, you know, you can get really close and intimate to what the actor's experiencing, but on stage, you know, you can have an actor experiencing something look at you in the audience and you can feel that kind of connection mm. and you know there are times where it can be uncomfortable like with the six guys show that i did earlier this year where it's like oh i'm this kind of larger than life character and you audience member directly in front of me you're on a date with me now um <laughs> and other times as it was with bacon it's and it, i think this is one of the, the harder things to do as an actor and i'm still navigating it i feel like i'm getting better with it but it's still a tricky thing, but like experiencing hurt, um, not pain, not not just like that very like 
consistent hurt and then having that bubble up in, mm. its, in its way in the story and then just looking at, at an audience member who is connected mm. and sharing that for a moment with them, mm. um, really kind of bringing them into that world. That kind of exchange, I feel like, is exclusive to theatre. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's like when theatre is at its most electric. Right. Um, because it's it's not it's, sometimes it's very overt in the sense that like I'm the performer and I'm engaging with the audience, mm. and that can be playful. That can be in that that mode that I just explained. Mm. But then there's other times where you know you're you're a character in a scene, and you know it's the the thing of like, how do you do that, or how do you feel the audience? make the audience connected without, like, I suppose, barreling them and looking at them. Mm. I know that's one thing I had to play with in that show because it flitted between kind of a few different modes. It was like, this is what's happening um, and and kind of explaining that mm. or explaining my, excuse me, my, my inner emotional life. Um, so it's kind of like me figuring it out but also seeing all these things kind of happen around me. And then there was also moments where it was just scenes and that's like, how do you kind of include people in that and how do you like from a technical standpoint um make that connect because if you with me it's like i have the technique to kind of create the shape and then within that that's where i can kind of hit them with i suppose the more intuitive side Mm -hmm. um and yeah how can how can you play with all all of those kind of layers to to kind of one draw in the audience and kind of keep them on the edge of their seat or because also with that show it changed gears so much between those things because sometimes it'd just be a little aside of like a line mm. and then back in yeah. and other times it would be a big bulky monologue um, it's like how do you at what moments do 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 you bring them in or do you bring them into the moment um, or do you like just let them see things just happening if that makes sense. Say, yeah. for example, in the park scene with the moment where they like see a deer and it's just like a moment of stillness mm. among this kind of quite rapid paced show, be it from a dialogue action kind of standpoint. But yeah, um, I think that answers the question. It does. <laughs> even if it doesn't, that was beautiful. Great. Yeah. Yeah. No, even the thought of, I'm just stuck on, yeah, that thing you said of having a person there connecting with you mm. when you're in that situation. But yeah. it's like, yeah, you're so right. It is exclusive to theatre, let's just say, because it's certainly a rare instance of someone experiencing something in whatever reality Sebastiano is experiencing this emotion yeah. and you've given everybody the permission to just sit there and watch you go through it. Yeah. You know? And, and it's, yeah. And I suppose it's interesting from an audience perspective, like the spectrum of how involved you feel as, as mm. someone I've seen theater with before mm. where it's like, Oh, am I being taken on stage right now? <laughs> <laughs> like they're, they're, Like that's kind of one end. And then it's the thing of like, you know, wanting to feel as an, I know for me as an audience member, anonymous, but mm. also feel a part of what's happening. Mm. Like that, that kind of c- collision of, of wants. Yeah. Um, and, and the, 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 that, that feeling too in there, you know, if you're sitting in the, in the back row, like for me, I tried to, cause it wasn't too like broad of an audience. You know, I tried in moments to keep everyone connected, mm. uh, particularly in the moments where I'm directly communicating with the audience or I'm searching for something or I'm asking questions out towards them of just like or, or I'm sharing a moment or a feeling it's just a matter of genuinely connecting I'm not just looking at them I'm not just moving my eyes across it's like oh no I see you I see you with, like you with the glasses there in the back yeah I'm feeling this right now and you know if there's someone that seems a bit de- dejected I'll look at them and <laughs> try and give them something to like come back in yeah. and just be like I see you I see you there 
sure. um, which is a very very hard intention that I know I I had trouble with at uni, particularly as someone who was. Uh, to use an acting term, circles of energy. Yeah. Uh, someone who. What you were called a circus of energy. No, uh, circles of energy. Circles. Okay. So they, in acting, they say there's three circles of energy. There's your first circle, which is like your inner life. That's where I lived a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, just On stage of, or just in my life. Right. As far okay. as then, this was using that structure as a form of understanding that. Yeah. Um, and also as as far as like social interactions, I was in third circle, which is your kind of very outward kind of I'm communicating energy. But I know one thing that I really struggled with and I, I kind of made a focus to really understand was just the, the second circle energy, which is kind of the sweet spot of like, I'm listening to you and like I'm communicating something here. And it's a bit more of a, like you, you feel that kind of where in third circle, you feel like the person's talking at you mm. in second circle. You feel like the person's talking with you and it's something that's genuinely being communicated mm. um, and playing a lot in that energy for certain moments yeah and this that's just play with i suppose uh connection to people you know what moments do i want people to be watching me and what moments do i want people to feel feel seen Hmm. but not like gazed at or focused on or anything like that yeah yeah that kind of was that a dynamic of the show that gavin suggested was that like um that was i think something i personally was playing with i think it was kind of in the text yeah and it was just through my kind of play and um, development and also like exploration of the text that I just had those moments and kind of had the impulses in in the act mm. um, of just like like oh that person there um, like and I'll communicate a little little thought to them mm. um, just because I, I, I see them <laughs> and just kind of following where that went yeah um, within the kind of structure of the scene um, and, the, and the moment, of course. But yeah. Uh, so w- with the show, um, the intimacy work, like what was what was it like? Because you had, did you say you had an intimacy coordinator? Yes. Or was it, yes. Um, okay. So we had Georgina Charteris. Uh, she was first and foremost in charge of the, um, the the intimacy and then also kind of helped out with the choreography of the fight sequences. Cool. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a gradual process. Um, and she was a very effective intimacy coordinator. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't say coordinator, just intimacy support. Cool. As far as the official term. Yeah. Um, uh, was she there for the whole production? How much time did you spend with Georgina in the room? Um, we had her in the room quite a few times. Um, for the, I'll say mostly. Cool. Um, there were some days where she wasn't there, but for the most part, she'd be in the room um, either helping develop with Gavin um, or also just observing um, or kind of chiming with a little bit of a, a spanner. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah uh, but for the most part one thing that she really helped us do was build a kind of structure of practice as far as the, the, the intimacy check-in mm-hmm. um, is that the same check-in that you were doing with Ryan before yes. each product, like yeah. each performance yeah. yes yeah. Um, which was yeah matter of safety and also just feeling like we're, in, we're arriving in the room and knowing like you know if there's if we're moving through a certain sequence of choreography and there's something that like we just flipped out of our brain mm. um, that it was like okay cool yeah we just we'll run through that again we're just somewhere else for a second yeah um, but yeah uh, it kind of just yeah began with like the kind of final structure we ended up with because we kind of had a broader thing of connecting and kind of like some, some really lovely lovely exercises but in the end it was just you know check in as far as how we're doing mm-hmm. then um, 
injuries kind of just going through if we had any. Um, and then we just went through a kind of, if I recall, like initially we'd done the whole, um, is it okay if I step into your space? Is it okay if I uh, place my hand on your shoulder? Like kind of gradually building that. And that's what we did initially. And we kind of honed it down to just being like, okay, um, we just go through our physical boundaries. And so for us, it would be like, cool for me today. What's a yes? kind of working through and touching on our own bodies. Mm. Um, what was a yes and then what was a no, kind of being like, this is a no territory. Mm. And then the other person kind of stepping in and being like, okay, is it all right if I step into your space and kind of work through the, the exercise and then kind of loosely like kind of going through as far as touching the other person's body of um, like, what was the okay spots? Mm. Um, and then being like, no, is this, this and this mm. from a distance. Um, and that was kind of a, a way of, I suppose, warming up the, the one the physical touch but also to kind of the yes and no of our body mm. and then uh entering into the kind of practice of all the moments that say for example there were kisses where it was cool we're going to do it without kiss and just work through the physicality and then cool we're ready we feel good with that we're ready to go for one run with the kiss mm. cool we do that um and then yeah just make sure we've got all the marks right and then we're like cool we've warmed up the the choreography of that and that that's that and then when we get into the space we might do a quick little like uh, fight warm up just in the in the space, and then we're we're all ready to go. But yeah, that was the kind of final process that we worked to with Georgina, and yeah, it was. Uh, now that's I think I've done a couple projects now. Where there's been intimacy support, um, and yeah, there's a reason why it's around. Hmm. It's always bizarre when I have conversations. Excuse me, people, and they're like, "Oh no, we didn't have any," and I was like, "Why not?" Hmm. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, I feel like too, because you, you really sense the moments. I know, particularly in the early stages with Ryan, um, where there is that, that kind of weird, awkward territory between you and another actor when you know it kind of has to happen eventually. And you're like, oh, <laughs> but like when you feel like the moment of like, oh no, like we feel completely safe in yeah. one, what we have as our structure to the choreography. Like, it's just like, yeah, cool. Like there is, it's a, quite a, 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 there's a nice relief in that kind of, switch of trust mm. and it's nice when you when you do have that that kind of trust in, in when a show has those kinds of demands mm. and intimacy coordination is great for that so yes it was great <laughs> <laughs> oh great um well springboarding like off of that then mm. what was your like physical mental experience of because how long was the run of your show um as in like the, the season itself yeah um it was pretty much two and a half weeks so it was like for the first week of Fringe, Thursday through to Saturday in the evenings. Um, also having a very jam-packed production week for three shows in one space, as a lot of people in Fringe would experience. Yeah. Um, and then uh, another two weeks after that of Tuesday to Saturday. Um, and then, yeah, we finished day before Fringe closing. Golly. Okay, great. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, so how did, how did you in your body handle that demand? Um, it was tricky. I think it was a matter of one remembering, particularly with the show being in its like heavier kind of context, and two, it being a um, being in the like nine thirty slot, so it's a later slot. Mm. Um, one keeping myself energized and active enough to keep focused uh, prior to the show, mm -hmm. uh, be it through warm up, my kind of rituals, but also to just in my daily life being kind to myself. Okay. Um, so just remembering like, okay, cool, I need to be smart with my energy and how I kind of do that. So 
maybe I won't do four things during the day today, I'll just do two and then I can catch up on those other two later on. I wasn't able to work because I usually work nights, mm. Theatre Russia, but um, and I was working most, I was doing the show most nights, mm. um, so I wasn't able to work very much. So my life kind of just became circulated around the show and saving money. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, in the midst of the season, I, I had my, my move. So I moved from my old house to my current new place. Yeah. <laughs> so that was an interesting exercise because I think I'd, I was like, cool, how can I be even smarter with my energy across this day? And I think this was something I also communicated to my partner who I was moving in with um, of, about like, I'm, I'm going to do as much as I can, but I'm also going to need to like when it comes to the time, I need to like focus on the show and all that. Mm. And they're like, yeah, that's 100% fine because mm. they're also an actor. Um, and that was a, a trial of energy because it became a day of moving everything in the one day um, and then running off to go do a show. And that was, you know, me essentially just being like, okay, we need to be a little extra caffeinated, a little extra like pepped up tonight. So I had, <laughs> what was it? A, a, a Red Bull. I had... Um, across all the nights I had like an emergency stash of like long black coffee cans uh-huh. um, on my dressing room table um, so in case I like got in I'm like oh I'm drifting <laughs> I, I was like crack it open let's go like, <laughs> um, so I had the Red Bull I had one of those cans before the show started I normally have these like little focus tablets that have like ginseng which kind of give you the buzz of a coffee without like feeling shaky okay so it kind of gave me the focus without feeling jumpy and it, and I'm like I need that because I get kind of excitable before a show um and then uh obviously the adrenaline from the show and um yeah I had another coffee before I left the house but um <laughs> so my poor little heart was probably beating 100 beats per oh, the other day I said 120 beats per second <laughs> no, no, just a lot uh, very, very fast. But um, I, I needed that much just to feel kind of in the room, if mm. that makes sense. Just not completely disconnected from my body. Mm. Um, and then it was a matter of just with that next day performance, also being smart with my energy during the day and going into the, the next week being strategic. So mm. it was a combination of uh, kind to myself, uh, consistent, I suppose having a, a ritual that kind of brought me into the into the space, uh, be it like a physical warm-up followed by like a certain playlist. I know music is one thing that also t- tunes me to a show because mm. um, it kind of, I can develop a playlist that kind of creates a world from an auditory standpoint, particularly in a, in a venue where we didn't have time in the space to warm up or anything like that. We just basically went to our dressing room. The other show's going on. Yeah. So we just have to quietly be warm and ready. And um, yeah, and also just having... Uh, a good strategy around the management of of my energy. Hmm. So yeah, that that was I suppose my navigation of how I went through that season, and then obviously getting to the end of those nights, and then coming out to the foyer to having a friend or a family member, and then being like, "Wow, oh my god!" And you're like, "Yeah, I am somewhere else completely." But thank you for coming. Oh. <laughs> god. And then once the show closed, yeah, how did you handle that? Um, I think I, I was like, I was happy to have kind of done the run and I was like, cool, this is another life. Great. Um, but I think maybe, maybe it's because I, I did a spot of like theater in lockdown, but, um, I just, nowadays, whenever I get to the end of a show, uh, with whatever experience I've had, whether I've been absolutely in love with it or I've just 
despised it, um, which but, you know I really really enjoyed. Um, I was just I just kind of got to it. And I'm like, okay, it's done. It's time to move on now. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm like, I've done it. Finished. Great. Because <laughs> I, I feel like there's a, a also you know this has been a show that's been on my mind since I suppose early this year when mm. Gavin was like I'm thinking of doing this show I think you'd be good would you be interested and I was like sure mm. um, and uh, like that was like immediately because of that I knew it was going to happen like obviously I hadn't started working on, on it until our rehearsal process started mm. um, but there, there there was the quality of like okay that's on my agenda for you know October this year um, so I think uh, there was a sense of relief of just being like oh there's nothing yeah. Um, also, I think for the past few years, with me, kind of really pushing myself to to keep doing things, uh, and this year me being like, okay, last couple of months of the year, it's just going to be a, a break. Mm. It's going to be a holiday. I'm just not going to think too much about it unless something remarkable pops up, different story. But otherwise, I'm just going to sit back and just recharge, just work my. My other job that's not acting, which is just being an usher, hmm. earn some money, and just wind down for, for next year. Because hmm. I also didn't feel... I felt like there wasn't really anything else really for me in the year. And, like, if I wanted to do, like, say, for example, a Midsummer project, that's like, okay, that's another... That's just me kind of continuing on. Hmm. Um, which I was like, maybe I shouldn't do that as far as my the regulation of my energy and being strategic very wise um, yeah. so I think that was another thing too me being like okay it's done and that's pretty much me done for the year so now I'm just gonna just live I suppose a, a less remarkable but regular life <laughs> for a little bit <laughs> yeah. before I delve back into the world of make believe and storytelling and all that so okay. yeah sure. that was that was kind of my energy yeah I was just like it's done I'm, I'm grateful for everyone that was involved and and I, I you know with the, the team I kind of gave out little gifts uh, in a sense of just like for Ryan and uh, for the people that were kind of in the theatre all the time um, just being like there's a thing of like I appreciate this and I appreciate your work and here's a little mug that has a quote from the show like yeah um, and then I just basically was just like cool that's that's all the closure I needed mm-hmm. I think I've just there, there's a thing that I think is maybe from people doing school like school shows yeah. or even like uni shows but it's like oh you really need to like celebrate and go wild but I'm, I'm a quiet personality I get to the, the end of a show night particularly when it's a 9.30 show you know we don't finish until about 11 mm. and uh, I just want to go home and have a cup of tea yeah and just sleep and be like you did good yeah, like, no, absolutely. It is peculiar to do something that is so... Maybe it also says something about the sorts of work that we are doing on stage. Yeah. But it's like, it's odd to think that you can have done something that is so taxing and so draining and you give so much of yourself. And then it's like, how do you have anything left with which to go out and go to the discotheque? Yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you not realise what we've just been through? Like, how is there still stuff left inside of you? Yeah. yeah. It's like, I just want to sleep. Yeah. For a week. God. <laughs> That's nice that you got to feel such elegant closure. It's like, yeah. and Sorry, sorry to interrupt your 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 thoughts of holiday unwinding with this question, Ooh. but is, is there a thing that's uh, do you now? Is there some sort of like yearning pull towards a type of performance or story or curiosity that your like performer mind wants to explore next creatively? Um, I wouldn't say I'd say there's a pull. Mm. I, I I wouldn't know what the pull is to in particular. Oftentimes, I think uh, I, my brain's just like 
it'll it'll kind of find its way to me. Mm. Um, so long as I keep open and, and and like active in a sense that I'm keeping in conversations, keeping around people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's back to you being a, a passive but enthusiastic member of the universe. That's, yes, yes. <laughs> um, because yeah, like say with bacon, it's like that project found me, and sometimes the right project needs to just be like put on. Mm for you to really flourish and have an opportunity at that. Mm. Um, and with the exception of producing it, you producing it yourself, um, like screaming it out to the universe isn't really going to like make it happen. Sure. Um, and for me, it's, I know also one thing I've been trying is to say no a bit more. Mm. Um, because I was saying yes to everything at one point, and I was like, oh, I'm being yeah. squeezed dry. No, you should have been on fire for a period of time yeah. in the last few months. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, I, I think it's been a trying to get into the practice more of doing that, too. Because that also, I suppose, instills like value within yourself, value within like you as an actor. Mm. Um, but also, like yeah, I think trying to stick to the, the structure that one of my f- friends presented to me uh, a while ago, but it's the, the three Ps. And I think I mentioned this before. Mm. People project pay. Mm. Always do two of the three um, <laughs> in order to feel somewhat fulfilled. Right. Um, so like with Bacon, it was the, the people in the project. Mm. Like the great script. And also I, I hadn't worked with Gavin yet as a, as a director. I'd worked with him as like their assistant director, mm. but um, not as an act-director relationship. And I was excited to see what would come out of that. Yeah. And also with Ryan too, because I've, I've heard great things about Ryan. So I was excited to be in the room with that too. Mm. Um, and yeah, so... I think also trying to keep an eye out for projects with that. So obviously, like, also, you know, seeing, like, keeping an eye on what briefs go up, particularly in the theatre industry. Mm. Um, like, just the ones that I can apply for that, you know, I'm like, oh, they're, they're a great company that I I have worked with or that I want to work with, and that script actually looks really, really good. Mm. Um, so keeping, yeah, keeping an eye out for that kind of structure. Mm. Um, but yeah, of course, I'm, I'm always hungry to do it. It's the... Once again, getting a little bit pretentious, pretentious-y actor, but I'm, it's it's a it's a hunger, it's a need, it's not a, a want. It's like <laughs> yeah. I just kind of I gotta do it, and I love breaking down text, and I, and I also think that's one thing that I've learned over time. It doesn't just have to be acting, you know. It can be, um, helping out friends with the script. It can be kind of, uh, having conversations about the thing. <laughs> and also, like, yeah, during the period of last year, like, when we were watching a whole bunch of Fringe, like, for that period of time, I'm like, oh, I'm still kind of developing and engaging, but I'm going out to seeing a lot of theatre mm. and having a lot of conversations with people, but that's also honing my own understanding and the things that are important to me in a show and, and vice versa. But yeah, mm. yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at. Um, well, yeah, yeah, before we, before we wrap this thing up, is there anything else that you would like to talk about? Yes. Fringe-wise or... Sure. I, I mean, I, I haven't managed to have the, the conversation with you, but tell me about your shows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> sure, sure. Well, yeah, Pinocchio and Pornographilip super happened. They were two very, like, distinct, different creative adventures. It was, mm. yeah, it was like I, I went into the two of them, like, having to sort of, like, write two plays at the same time and co-direct two plays at the same time and produce two plays at the same time. I had, even just from a writing direction, it was like I was really worried that they would, there'd be some sort of like intellectual bleed between the two of them mm-hmm. that I'd be unable to like do either of them because I was unable to focus on just one of them, but because they were just, from their genesis, genesis? From their genesis, they were they were so inherently different in terms of like, um, even investigations of the subject matter and their tones were so different um, and their themes too. 
largely so so different so that, that that concern was put to bed quite early which was a real relief i was worried that artistically it would just be a lot of yeah not all the things i just said but in, in terms of yeah the undertakings themselves wildly rewarding like the experience of like developing pinocchio with like the four of us um was incredible it was sort of like a, a dream experience in terms of the things that I want theatre to feel like as I'm making it and doing it. It was it was just like a, a group of people sitting in a room all believing that the story we were telling was one worth telling and everything we were doing was in the pursuit of this thing being a thing that we all believed in and cared about and had poured ourselves into and then, I don't know, and then the excitement with which we could present it to other people and getting to just have the conversations that we were... Some of which we were surprised by people wanting to have with us and then also the ones that we were kind of like really intending to incite in people. And having people leave, it was like one of the most exciting re responses from Pinocchio that I heard was someone being like, I didn't know how to feel, which feels like a very, I don't know, soft, generic answer to it. But it was like in, in the way that they elaborated, it was nice because it felt like, felt like part of what we built into the show was not wanting to ever tell people how to feel about the issues we were putting forward. Like one of the things we were exploring was the idea of like a father-son relationships and the way that they can turn insidious and, 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 and like child abuse and child exploitation and... There were, there were moments, there were, there were versions of the script where there was a little bit more of uh, uh, the, the presence of like the, the voice of like children deserve to be protected and, and children are very like soft and easy to hurt and you shouldn't damage children. And it's like, of course, yes, of course. But it's like, we don't need to spend any time in our play enforcing that widely held belief that society is very rightly saying so loudly, at least, you know, um, so, and, and, and the moment that one of the several really exciting like editing dramaturgy moments of like removing that sense from the entire work was was really exciting and invigorating and and having those responses of people coming out being uncertain of how to feel about things it was like yeah I think that partially is a credit to the way that the story was told in the way of like you don't need your I, I, I just find and we've talked about it I find theatre very boring when it's really just like preaching to choirs or reinforcing societal standards and expectations. It's like, that's what society's already doing. You know, if, if the people that are driven to the theatre to hear their own beliefs echoed back at them, it's like, ugh, I don't know, it's bad theatre? Not to speak simplistically, but it's it's a waste of everybody's time. Like, give people something to provoke them, to challenge their beliefs, you know? Like, are children worth protecting? You know, I'd love to see a play that in some moments Pinocchio sort of did, of like asserting, like, maybe they're not as weak as you think. Or it's like, maybe there's, I don't know, remember when Milo Yiannopoulos, that, uh, like, atrocious, very interesting, like, dynamic, um, like, Republican figure was going around and uh, insisting that he was glad that he'd been, like, groomed by an older man when he was a young gay man because he thought it made him a better gay man today. And it's like, of course that's a horrendous thing to say. Mm. But the conversation incited by such, like, an inflammatory remark... It, it's quite revealing and requires, as you were speaking earlier, it's, it's nice to have those moments where you're required to question a thing that you've just assumed. Like, I think, I don't know, that there's something in the, the mental strength that is afforded by those sorts of mental exercises of like, yeah, no, there's a bunch of things that we all assume that we all think and all believe and things that I go into meeting a person believing like, oh, I, I'm sure that you think murder is bad. But it's like, is it? And then, I don't know, being at least forced to grapple with that for a second of like, oh yeah, murder is bad because of all these things and it's tied to all these other things that are ingrained inside of me. Mm. I don't know. It's just one thing. But it was, yeah, yeah, to come out of it and, I don't know, and and by the time the production was on, like, Margarita D'Antonio had come on board as, like, lighting and sound and so it was, like, five of us going into this show every night with, like, a surprising number of people interested in seeing this, like, dark, weird, Italian 
thing that we were doing, and it was just that bafflingly like rewarding experience of we made this weird thing, and now people are watching it upstairs at this theatrical bar space, and you can hear the sound bleed from the bar downstairs, but people are still paying attention to this yeah this weird true Italian thing, <laughs> and and they, yeah they were happy to sit through it and be kind of like at times like overwhelmed and frightened and angry and a bit sick but also a bit devastated and it was just it was it was a cool i don't know stew of stuff going on it just felt very romantic and exhausting and yeah dirty and it was just yeah for all those reasons and more just like so invigorating and yeah i hope that yeah making theater feels like that again soon because it was like it was that type of thing where it's like you you imagine as we all do in the arts, like you imagine the ideal experience of a process. Mm. And it's like, it was a, a lot like the way that I long wanted theatre to feel. It was, mm. it was that thing. It was just like pursuing honesty with people that all believed in what we were doing. And it was, yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So that was great. And then Pornographilip, a whole different thing of just like, <laughs> there was like this long process. The fact that we were like commissioned by Theatre Works was just like jaw dropping in terms of just like, it's so uncommon to feel so like supported by such a legitimate enterprise, you know, for them to be like, here's a bunch of money. We think the show will be good. Go and make a good show. It's like, huh? <laughs> like <laughs> I've never felt so supported in my life. And yeah, to cobble this team together, many of whom were just full blown strangers to me. And then to get to go into it with like, to go into it with, with James, who is someone that I love so much and have like worked with before. And, and even like the writerly experience of getting to like, work with a pal of mine and know what he's amazing at and what he's good at and even like to think of things that I would love to see him try to do on stage and in exploring a character and to get to write that role for him and then to get to see him do it so incredibly and then the thrill of getting to like speak to audience members who also thought, yeah, that guy's miraculous, you know? It's like, that was just one element of what made it so amazing as well. It was like the production experience threw so many unexpected obstacles at us. And it was, there were, there were moments going along where it was like, oh my goodness, I've actually, I must have grown because I know that the person that I was when I was making theater like five years ago mm. would have been upended by this, <laughs> by this situation. And it's like, oh my goodness. Yeah. You must have become slightly stronger or slightly smarter or something, mm. or you just, just, I don't know, surrounded yourself with, I don't know, a, a more equipped people or something. But it was like, yeah, yeah, we coped with this <laughs> and I, I, yeah, wouldn't have been able to back then. Um, so it was moments like that. And it was even just, I don't know, because of. We had this, which I guess is fine to talk about. And, you know, you, you've asked a question, I guess I'll answer it. There was like going along, we had this experience where our lead actor suffered this out of nowhere, very serious like medical condition. And so we had to step out of the show with 10 days to go before we went on stage. And the experience of everyone stepping up into this experience and I know worrying about our friend at the same time as having to rework this entire production around this sudden change was just a, a credit to everyone involved in that in 10 days, we essentially had to kind of like re-rehearse an entire work, get someone up to the point where they were able to play the lead character in this show, ship in a brand new actor to fill another role that was then vacated by that casting shift. And the, the way that this group of people all worked together to make this thing happen, like even outside of that type of unprecedented disaster, it was, it was already going to be remarkable because the thing that these actors and, and artists were accomplishing day-to-day -day in rehearsal was already impressive. But to throw that into the works and for there to not be a, a moment where anyone was like, okay, well, we cancel it then. It's like, no, <laughs> we move forward because opening night is coming. It was just incredible to witness. And it was, yeah, just professionally challenging, artistically challenging, 
Um, it's it, it not really like a type of play that I've written before. Like it itself was quite like a little farcical and quite comedic, and but also like it built upon this sort of like intellectual backing of me having written this thesis about the theatrical potential of the dramaturgy of gay pornography. So it's like also with that underpinning the entire thing and then exploring it so goofily, it was yeah yeah a whole different whole different thing. But mm. again, really well attended. People had a good time there. Um, yeah, the cast is is and should be really impressed with themselves because they pulled off so many remarkable things over and over again. Um, but yeah, a wild production experience. Um, and one that I'm so grateful for. Um, yeah, and of course, too, is like, I don't know, especially with all that tumult and all of those earthquakes. Um, I don't know, you, you get to learn, you, you learn such fascinating things about people when you're in that absurd, as you've definitely experienced too. It's like, this the, the scenario of this whole practice is bonkers and it's like yeah the things that you're forced to get to know like that style of intimacy is like yeah as we were saying it wears you out too mm. you know it just the things that it takes it's like some of it we sacrifice and some of it is just like taken mm. and it's like yeah which is why yeah why the recovery time for me has been so long and a thing that i'm still in the throes of but yeah willing to give all those things up yeah but yeah as, as you felt too, it's like, it's a lot. Mm. Yeah. And, and how was it, like, obviously, you're kind of still in, in the process of recovery from the, 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 the demands of that experience across, like, just having to be so switched on with those shows across that, that time. Mm. But, um, uh, like, how has it been, how was, the, like, the shift between gears? Um, as from Pinocchio to yeah, Phil. And kind of having those two hats. Like, was it easier because there was so distinctly different or was it something that you really had to like sit sit yourself down and be like okay right i'm in the new space like (laughs) it was like both it was easier because they were so different and the the, even the groups that were involved in the two of them were so different too like the pornographic rehearsals sort of from the get-go was like oh what a like a high energy group of strange people again many of whom i did not know at all which was true of pinocchio too um but yeah those rehearsal rooms just had like a vibrancy and a levity and a like a fast paceness and uh, the types of conversations we were having it was like it felt almost like okay we'll spend sort of like a week and a half really sort of getting to know each other as people at the same time as making this really fun show that kind of has nothing to do with that mm-hmm. um, and we'll just build these characters and have a fun time and just make sure that the scenes are like high energy and fun yep. it was like one of the highest priorities in terms of it functioning as drama whereas mm-hmm. Pinocchio was like the opposite thing of like okay let's we have this like a month to just like fall madly in love with each other which was like a thing that became baked into the like the process. It wasn't the plan, but it was like, oh my god! And so then we just like also like dived real deep into this swamp together, and then it sort of like writhed around, and then uh, by virtue of doing that, got to know each other so intimately, and then explored these ideas and these concepts, and got. I don't. It was just like zero to a hundred so fast. It was mm-hmm. like because Wheeler and I, my co-director, developing the work with me, I sort of like came in with like a half-finished sort of script and basing it on some truth. And then Ben said about trying to like make a piece of theater that was interesting. And then it was from the get go, it was like, okay, the way we want to do it is like, we don't want to audition anybody. We just want to kind of have people that are vouched for by anyone that we trust. And then just find these two men and then they will kind of inform the way that this show takes shape. Mm-hmm. Um, because before we found them, yeah, it was like half a script and a bunch of facts. And that was kind of all. And then we found them and we found out what resonated with them about the project. And then it was like, okay, if we're all finding these things fascinating together, 
And if you're also bringing to the table these other things that you find interesting about this story, then it's like, okay, we have enough pieces here to make a thing that we all think we'll be able to care about enough. And if we do enough listening um, and enough cooperation and collaboration and, and trusting of each other, which we somehow managed to, um, then we'll definitely make a thing that, the, at, at the very least, the four of us will think is really worthwhile and a thing that we'll have such like emotional ownership of, which I think is such an exciting, fueling thing for a production to have. Um, because I don't know if you all care, like it's it's much harder for you to you know get thrown off the horse, you know, like mm-hmm. if if your fingernails are in that deep. So yeah, I don't know. So so in the, yeah, in that way, that that made it easy to separate them because it felt like yeah, two different lives. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you lived a double life for um, probably a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know how people have two families and keep them secret from each other. I don't know how that doesn't kill you. Like, what? You're raising children that way? Oh my god, two separate groups of children? I... Yeah. No. No. <laughs> I, I couldn't do that. No, it's too... It's overwhelming enough just living one life. Right? <laughs> I don't even know if I would recommend that. Yeah. yeah. So, no. Two. No, insane. No. And it, it's, it's, it's also a classic thing of me just not learning from mistakes. Like, I've... I've produced and directed two shows at the same time before in the past. And it was like, that also killed me. But yeah, but again, it's another moment of like, ugh, at least for my journey, certainly a moment of growth. Like I coped with this much better than I did last time. Um, but yeah, still wouldn't recommend it. We'll probably do it again. <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of like that thing of like, what is it they say about childbirth? Where it's like, yes, um, <laughs> like it's like, it is a heinously painful act. And it's like the the kind of brain just blips out the, the pain afterwards and you're like, oh yeah, I could do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I experienced the exact thing with Bacon where I was like, because I find production weeks to also just be really draining because you're in a dark room mm. every day, mm. all day. And you're just like, oh, I just want to have a life. Mm. And then it gets to like, towards the end of the process and you're like, oh, that one's not too bad. <laughs> you know, I could do that again. Because <laughs> yeah, also Grant is an actor too, as you'd know, with like going into... The um, like the the process of a production week. There's there's the the kind of storm or the hurricane really that is production week. But then there's also like you as the actor being like, I hope this is rehearsed enough. We won't know until I put it in front of an audience. Yes. We're just gonna and like we'd like to rehearse, but we're still teching. Like <laughs> so there's also that that layer too. Mm. Um, that I know from my brain, it's like I just want to check out for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, and then yeah, you get to the end and you're just like, yeah, I did it. Mm-hmm. My, my limits have been pushed that little bit further and then you find yourself five years down the track where you're like, oh, I I would have had a breakdown by now, <laughs> but I'm not. Mm. Am I just more traumatised or, <laughs> or more experienced? That's the I, thing. Is, that, is this what wisdom is? Yes. Am I, yeah. <laughs> it's the pain. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh, I'm glad to hear that they were, they were both really uh, fruitful experiences as far as what you got. Like you, It sounded like you got at least something, but it's, it sounded like many things from mm. each mm. Um, to that that challenged you and pushed your your limits as a, as a creative and as a writer and as a theatre maker. Really. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. No, and you as well. It's so great that the that, that, that bacon did all the things for you that it seems to have. And it seems yeah. almost too, like listening to you talk about it, it's kind of confirmed a few things that you theorise about your yeah. methodologies and your curiosities and your passions and your skills. Yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah, and also it was just very fortunate having a, a role that kind of uh, really gave me the opportunity to utilise a lot of those kind of inherent intuitive skills mm. in that kind of structure of what that character was. Um, be it 
you know, them having their dark secret, but also them being a bit of a knob at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and them kind of having, playing with, like, a, a present, like, grounded quality in a sense of, like, growth versus, like, more youthful, lifted quality and having that contrast that, like, it's to through the opportunity switch between. Like, all those elements, too, like, created a perfect storm of a, a character that I felt like I could really, with what I know and what I have and even how I read, as mm. a, as, visually, as an actor, mm. I felt like I could uh, flourish and thrive a little bit in. So, yeah. God. That too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for being here, Sebastiano. It's always such a thrill to be near you. So thank you for being here. Always, it's always a pleasure with you too. <laughs> oh, God. Um, as usual, we may already disagree with everything we just said. Yes. And friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Um... God, okay. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's continue living our lives, I guess. Yes, just living our lives. Oh. <laughs>